beautiful. I am calling all badass business women. Assemble for this masterclass by the one and only Adele Onyango, a Kenyan media innovator. She is in the forefront of the media industry evolution on the African continent. You are listening to the Africana Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Chulu. Every week I ask an Africana woman to invite us into her home to give us a snapshot into what happens behind her closed doors. I hope you will join me on this journey of discovery, revelation, and self-awareness. I'm not going to lie. It may become uncomfortable sometimes. However, I encourage you to push past your unease and challenge yourself to think differently. The simple act of expanding yourself to receive the unknown may be transformational for you. If you haven't already, you must go check out the new Africana Woman website at AfricanaWoman.com. I am very pleased about the way it looks, but more importantly, there's a ton of resources on there that will help you as an African woman. Be it your wellness, your identity, your purpose, or wealth building tools. You will find all of this at the tip of your fingertips. Go to AfricanaWoman.com. So today, I am talking to Adele Onyango. I met Adele last year in 2020. And let me tell you, it is so amazing when someone you admire from afar is just as phenomenal and authentic in person. We had such a refreshing conversation about how she has carved out a space for herself in the media industry. She shares practical tools that you can apply immediately. Sis, this is an episode you want to sit down with a pen and paper, take notes, and probably listen to more than once. So let's get straight into it. Here is my conversation with Adele Onyango. Adele Onyango is a Kenyan media personality who has gained international recognition for her efforts to empower African women and youth. She has been celebrated as one of MyPad's top 100 in 2020, Facebook's 2019 Icons of Change, Africa Youth Awards 100 Most Influential Young Africans for 2019, OK Africa's 100 Extraordinary Extraordinary African Women for 2018 and BBC's 100 Inspirational and Innovative Women in the World for 2017. Listen, this chick. Okay, Adele Anyango has over 10 years experience in the radio industry. She had she began as a drive show host on 1FM where she was instrumental in bringing a digital media to Kenyan radio. Adele then moved to Kenya's top media house Radio Africa Group as a presenter on their radio station Kiss FM. She hosted the mid-morning show and created a show dedicated exclusively to African music, my person right there, which was a first of its kind on the station. She later moved to host their Prime Breakfast show until June 2019 when she left to focus on podcasting. And she created two podcasts, Legally Clueless and Perspective. Listen, I am so excited that Adele Onyango is on the Africana Woman podcast. Mike, welcome. <laughs> Thank welcome. you. Thank you so much. I was cringing all through, just like, ah! 
no, 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 no. We're not going to stop. We need to celebrate everything that, you know, that you have accomplished. But I'll tell you what, I think one of the things that I really love about you is, um, I think, you know, when people see you and think of you, the first thing they think is, oh, she's a media personality. But when I see you, I think this is a badass businesswoman. Like she is on top of her game. She doesn't come to play. She is here for it all. <laughs> yes. So when you look at all the things that you've achieved, on the outside, it looks like you've done it with so much grace and ease and everything comes simply for you. But mm-hmm. I suspect there's a lot of intentionality behind everything that you do. So I wanted to learn more from you about what is your work culture, your work ethic in everything that you 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 put your hands on. Yeah. And I love that you say that because I, I think you're the second person this month who has used that word intentionality. And, and words are powerful. I think in my head, because I've constantly been called a control freak, I went with that negative connotation. But then another friend of mine did say, hey, I like how intentional you are with ABCD. And I was like, that's what I am. And <laughs> that is it. <laughs> exactly. No, not control freak. We're not, not taking that label. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I love when you say that word, I was just like, ah, here it is again. Claim it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think, um, you know, when I look at the things that you've done, you know, in your first year of your podcast, Legally Clueless coming out, you had 388,000 downloads or streams. You've... Um, interviewed the president of your country more than once (laughs) and you and your podcast is the first East African show to be syndicated. I don't think that happens by chance. Like there needs to be something behind that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and for me, who is all about entrepreneurship and business and things like that, I just, I just think, Hmm, I need to learn from you. What do you think are your, um, I guess, top three tips about, you know, just making goals and actually achieving them. So the first thing I think that has always worked for me, and I know people talk about it and there's like Instagram pages dedicated towards it. It's like literally having a vision board that has worked so many wonders for me. And I think I've had one ever since maybe 2016, I used to have this huge whiteboard and my sister reminds me of it because at the time we were all living together, I had a huge whiteboard on one side of my room and it was written every single thing that I wanted to achieve was written almost like a spider kind of like diagram with like different legs linking to names or like people I wanted to do business with, organizations I wanted to partner with, things I wanted to create. I think at that time I was thinking about in 2016, I was thinking about something that I launched in 2018. So I was like thinking about, okay, yeah, I want to do fashion, but what would it look like? What would it stand for? And why would I be doing it? And how does it tie back to the main big circle, which stands for ABCD? So I started it then and my sister reminds me of it because she then started doing it. And she was like, you're the only other person I'd seen doing it. And literally when we looked back, I now sold that particular whiteboard. 
to get a smaller one because <laughs> I moved to a smaller place. But when we looked back, I had achieved everything on it. So I think I'm a huge, maybe not getting a huge whiteboard, but even just your notebook or whatever, write down what whatever it is that you want to achieve, no matter how small it looks or no matter how impossible it looks, just write it down, have it out there, See, like in a place where or in a book that you go to every so often or a place that you pass every so often, because you might get different thoughts and think, actually, no, I don't want to do this. Let's erase this and change it to this. That I think is so important. I realized that even with my podcast this past week is when it hit me. When I started my podcast, I said I wanted to be so every year. That's the second thing. Every year is to just have goals, um, both on a personal level. And I think going to therapy is where I learned this because I, I didn't study business. I didn't study entrepreneurship. I did psychology and journalism. So from therapy, you know, like when you're going through healing, you do set goals and it feels so good when you like hit them. And even when you haven't hit them yet, you kind of, it feels comfortable knowing, okay, we're working towards A and we're working towards B and we're like, 90 steps away from getting to be. So I learned that and I bring that into every year in terms of um, podcasting and media business, in terms of like my initiative and even just on a personal level, be it brand or actual, just how are you as Adele <laughs> doing and what do we want to improve on this year? So in 2019, when I started my podcast, I said I wanted to be at the forefront of um what new media would look for look like for Africans. And at the time when I was making that statement, Trulu, I didn't even know what it meant. Like <laughs> I was, in fact, I was just like this podcasting thing, let's call it new media. See, I think that's what they're calling it in all of these conferences and things. I didn't understand the space, but I, I knew that it had the potential to be quite powerful for not only myself, not only African women, but like the entire continent, right? So I was like, I want to be at the forefront of that. I want to be to be able to show that it's working and it's a thing, an ecosystem, an industry, it's the new media. And so then now when I look back like this week and, and just I was taking stock of, okay, what's kind of like the press things that we've done and the features and all of that. I was like, oh, my God, it actually came to pass in my head. I thought it would take one year because I was being over ambitious. <laughs> but that's something I do very, very often um, because I assume that I have control over everything. But just proclaiming it and saying this year, this is a goal that I want. Trust me. It works and you won't even be cognizant of it working until it appears and you've achieved it. And you're like, oh, my God, in January, I said this and here I am now. And then I think the third thing for me has got to be like having conversations with people who are in business, especially if like me, you were not in business, like I was a slave to the paycheck. It was nice every <laughs> End month. I knew end month. Right now, I don't know end month. You know, like how people are just like, hey, it's end month. I'm like, is it? I'm still chasing for people to pay me. <laughs> Mid-month, end month, this person still hasn't paid me. So I, that's the world that I came from. So I really didn't understand. I knew I do have business acumen and I can see like value pockets of things or whatever, but there's a whole back end of business that is... Um, 
intimidating to some people but once you sit down and have a conversation with people who are in that field then you start understanding that oh there's a method to the madness these formulas to certain things these efficient ways to run things these um i don't want to preach that people should avoid taxes or anything but there's a way that you can ensure you're in a tax bracket that's more comfortable for your size of a business so that you're not paying the same taxes as like super huge organizations so for me, it was like, I when I knew that podcasting could be a viable business, I sat down with somebody who helps, um, I don't know what the word is, but he helps with operations for small sized businesses and more conventional businesses. So people who have shops or in farming and things like that. Um, I was a completely... I don't even know why he agreed to meet with me because <laughs> I was like, oh. alien. exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I sat down and talked to him and I think I w- it was a bit of a, a trick because I wasn't sure I needed his help. I was sure I could not afford him. <laughs> that I knew. <laughs> I knew uh, this business of mine is by myself right now. Right. And so I knew I couldn't afford him. But I was listening and I was asking questions because I was like, this is probably the only chance I have because the next one he's going to ask me, so are you signing on? And I don't have the money to sign on. So I sat down with him. Um, I had a conversation with a friend who is in farming. Like his business is just farming. Tomatoes, potatoes. But I learned that it's it's such an interesting um, group of business people to talk to, those who are like farming and things around food because also their products are perishable so they have they 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 do not have the room for error that uh, other businesses have because sour you will grow the potatoes or whatever and then you have a window to make sure these things sell <laughs> and so it was so interesting to learn the tick the the tips and tricks that he had in making sure that his business runs efficiently because he could not afford for it not to um, and then the last person is my partner who he works in like gases. So again, these are none of these people are in media. <laughs> none of them even listens to my podcast to begin with, you know, but it was just understanding. And so my partner really helped me in terms of understanding costs and just the tricks that advertisers would pull to get you to do more for less. And so you have to be a step ahead and understand the psychology of selling. So you could sell the same thing, but the words that you use and the way that you you bundle what you're selling is more attractive um, in a certain way, right? And you have to also, the art of negotiation, it really helped me a lot with that. And, and I think also it's because, well, I could go on and on about African women for a while, but I feel like as women, we we've been conditioned to reduce ourselves. So even in negotiating, you're like, is this, is this the right amount? I feel like I I should be thankful. They want to do business with me. No, sis, you've got value. (laughs) They're gaining. All right. So, so he just taught me how to cost everything, like write down absolutely everything that it takes for you to get your product out there. Even the things that you enjoy that you forget to cost everything. And then that those are your running costs, right? So by the time you're going to, and don't forget also the taxes that you pay on certain things. So by the time you're quoting an amount, please have it in your head. 
how much is it not only is it exciting that you're getting advertising because at the beginning you're just like ah, <laughs> money is coming in but it's like are we really running efficiently because <laughs> so those are the three things it's just like have a general vision board then yearly have your goals and then speak to people who are are also in business yeah love it thank you so much that was so so valuable um <clears throat> you know i think one of the things that you know came up when you were speaking is i, I love your website because your website systematically um you know just on the first page it shows this is what adele has achieved and achieved and achieved and again when you're talking about how african women perceive themselves and you know are kind of made to feel like no you should be humble like you know so when when you when you have when you you know the way you've done it so beautifully is this is what I've achieved. This is what I've achieved. It's not boasting. It's just putting yourself out there so that people can see your value. I don't know if you can say a bit more about that. Cause I, I really do feel like we as African women have this thing where we like, we here we say chefia, like we put ourselves down, you know? Chefia. Did you say chefia? Yeah. Don't chefia yourself. <laughs> um, no, but I, I think it is a thing um, because even to date it's, it's, some, if somebody compliments you or if you, let's say if it's your social media, because as much as, yes, my social media is my life, it's also an extension of my CV, right? So I have to put up the work I'm working on, put up um, if there's a win, because there are potential partners who are on there. And every time, even to date, like if I post something, it takes me normally like a day to thank people in the comments because I'm normally just like, stop, 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 stop. Don't like, just leave it. But these are things that you have achieved. And when you look back and think about how long and how hard it took, how hard the journey was for you to get to these things, I think it's a very important practice to pause in the moment where sometimes either reducing ourselves or thinking about, oh, I need to get there, you know, I think it's a good, good, good exercise to pause and just accept and take in that moment and be like, wow, I have achieved this. Look at that. Like high five yourself, you know, make your favorite dish, treat, treat yourself to something and mark that occasion because think about it. And organizations do that all the time. Like, oh, we've hit a hundred customers. There's a cake, you know? And it brings morale, a good energy. You must also do that for yourself instead of waiting for other people to do it for you. And for me, that website, it's so funny you brought up that website because my God, when I, I like how I'm just like, when was Corona? Because it was right before Corona, right before Corona. So that was 2019. I'd done this thing where, um, you know, you always don't think that you could learn a new skill. So when it comes to websites, you're like, ah, oh, there's always somebody to make a website and whatever. So I did like my new batch of, of press pictures and I was very clear. I was like, some need to be in this, this dimension because they're going onto a website, pay the guy to do my website. And then end of 2019, I don't know whether it's the same, but in Kenya, what happens is they bill you for building the website and then they bill you for any other changes you need. 
Now, at the beginning, you don't think about the changes you'll need because you're like, how often will I need to change it? But you forget this is a digital world and you will, you're doing things almost on a weekly basis. You will need to keep updating things, right? You will need to keep changing the photos. Your bio will have to change. Things will need to change. And it's not efficient to have to pay somebody for each and every small um, change. Anyway, I had this person, got them on to do this, uh, to change something. They ended up messing up the website, reducing it to like where it was before it was like revamped. Um, and then I was like, and they, then the, the quotes I was getting, I was like, this is actually ridiculous. I was like, if I can learn a language online, I can learn so many things online. Surely. <laughs> There must be a way to make this website by myself. So as soon as Corona hit in Kenya, we got our first case March 2020. And then we went into lockdown soon afterwards. My first two weeks of lockdown were spent rebuilding my website. And I had so much fun that I built it twice. Like the first one, I sat with it. I was just like, ah, I'm not feeling this template. Change it around. And so I built my, my website myself. And then when talking to other um you know, soul entrepreneurs, especially women, I learned that this is a thing that we do. And they're like, yeah, I don't know, I built mine. Some would be like, which website did you use? And uh, on the outside looking in, someone might think there's a team, as you said at the beginning, and everything is running so easily. No, you have to do the glam part, yes, which is fantastic. It's great. You've knocked your goals, you're celebrating wins. But the admin stuff that is building up your business in in different ways you also have to learn that and and you have to commit make the time to learn it to understand it so that when you do onboard someone no one is going to take you for a ride because you'll know exactly what you want your 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 website to look like you'll know exactly even if you're doing a photo shoot, you'll know the dimensions of what you need. I need a photo that like, are you sure you're going to, you know, you'll be able to ask certain questions so that you get exactly what you want. And for me, it was so interesting. You brought up the website because I was like, actually, I, I did that myself. And so now I update it myself. <laughs> I don't have to pay someone. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, I think I talked to so many women that you know, don't like their jobs or whatever. And, you know, they've got this thing that they really, really want to do, but then they have a fear of putting themselves out there. Because even if you're starting small, right, usually one of the first places we go to to tell people about what we're doing is social media, right? Because that's yeah. the free, easy place to go to. But I think a lot of people hold back because, as I was talking about African women anyway, a lot of African women hold back because there is fear of, um, I think, rejection but then there's also fear of um, black Twitter, aka cyberbullying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I know this is something that you have experienced yourself. So um, I just wanted to hear from you what advice you have to women who are scared to put themselves out there. Mm. Yeah, that is so true. And I, I've actually never been asked that question in those, um, like connecting the fear of starting something new and the actual potential bullying that may come once you're like, Hey, I'm doing this and, and, and all of that. I think I've, I hate to say that I I have a tough skin because I feel like humans, we shouldn't make the world a place where people have to grow tough skins. Like why this, we have the skin that we have just 
be a decent human being, you know? But, and so, but I do recognize that I've dealt with cyberbullying for much longer than somebody, let's say in another industry, because with media, you say one thing on air, one person and their 10 relatives have come for you. <laughs> and especially if you're like a feminist like me at a time where like, I don't know, people think that term is an insult. So you say anything that's pro-women and it's just like, you're a feminist. I'm like, yes, <laughs> that is correct. Yeah. It's like, so Exactly. And so, so I have dealt with really bad cyberbullying. And there have been moments where I remember there was one moment that I was bullied courtesy of, of um, a, a Kenyan musician who just basically went on air and said a, a lot of lies about me. And then, which were to the tune of, I, I'm a... I'm only providing this context. I never like giving that thing, but I need to provide context because then it explains why people came for me. And he basically said that I refused to go out with him because I'm a lesbian. And I was just like, so one, I do not believe that's an insult. <laughs> so I was just like, you're incorrect. But also if you were trying to insult me, sir, I don't know. <laughs> that's not an insult. But if in a country that is or purport so many people purport to be like staunch religious people and are so silent when there's like corruption or whatever, but they deem somebody um, choosing who they love, you know, and or not even choosing, just loving who they love, right? To be so wrong. What ended up happening is I was cyber bullied the entire day. Truly, it was 24 hours. I couldn't even tweet about my show. Like when I was in studio, I'd tweet about the songs I'm playing. I couldn't because all the tweets that were coming in were just like, oh, you're going to hell. You're a um, prostitute. It was, it was just out of this world. And I remember that day, I was just like, what industry is this I got myself into? <laughs> like, what was I thinking? And it really toughened me up. But that day, it almost broke me. And there have been like maybe two other situations where it almost broke me. But one thing that I always do is, one, I have such a good support system made up of all of five people. But <laughs> I make it seem like we're like 30 of us, but not really. We're just like five. Are we five? One, two, three, four. Yeah, about five, six people, right? And they will completely block out that world for me. They will like move in. I don't even need to like call and say this is happening. Obviously they'll see it or whatever, but they move in. It's so hectic. Like to date my sister, my elder sister, um, she fights battles for me online that I only realize are happening because I'll see her comments and I'll be like, is Anna fighting with and when I look I'm like oh it's somebody insulting me <laughs> like, all right I guess that's handled so I don't even need to like talk anymore but I also think um outside of having a good support system is you need to mute certain words and just control your space like have zero issues with setting your own boundaries right have no apologies for that be it in real life but also your digital space if your work requires you to be online. So mute certain words. So like 
if you call me a toxic feminist, chances are I won't see it because that word is muted. Um, <laughs> there's certain words that I just mute. And nowadays, especially with Twitter, they've made it such that you just highlight the word, like just highlight it on your phone or whatever. And at the drop down that comes up with like cut, copy, paste, mute is also there. So literally you can mute that word. You will never see that word ever. Even if somebody is using it in a positive way, a I'm sorry, but <laughs> I don't like that word. I don't want to see it. So take take charge of your space and just make no apologies for that. Um, I think sometimes it can be hard, especially when you're thinking about businesses. And like for me, people always say, but you're, you're following other ones who made you. And, and I have issues with that um, analogy. I really do have issues with it because it opens the gate to a lot of entitlement that can be very toxic. Um, we're all decent human beings, right? So it's not about who's made who it's treating each other with like empathy, respect, kindness, and all of those things. And if you don't do that in my space, then that is not the type of support I want. Whether you were singing my praises every morning <laughs> from your rooftop, I'm sorry, that is, you are not the support that I, I that I, I want. And so you get blocked immediately. So nowadays, before even I interact with, with an insult or cyberbullying, because there are days when you have like a really sweet clap back, you're ready to like <laughs> dish it out. Before that, I'm just like, oh, block. And I've muted so many words that I, I hardly, I never know when somebody's attacking me unless it's like people in the comments. Then I'm like, Connie, what's been said? <laughs> I can't relate. But yeah, those things can really hold you back. Um, they they feed into your fear. But if you know exactly why you're doing what you're doing, you're the only person who needs to understand your goals. Like nobody else needs to understand them. The person who needs to understand them because you're the one who's on ground, who's trying to make them a uh, reality. You're the one who needs to understand it. And if nobody else does, hey, that's all right as well. But it shouldn't be a reflection on oh, this is not a good goal then, or it's definitely doomed to failure. No, 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 no. You are the most important person who needs to understand the goal. That's just it. Wow. That is, yeah. I've actually never heard of muting. Like, I will mm. have to go and look for that. <laughs> and mute yes. a couple of words. <laughs> you can mute words and accounts. In case you don't want to block someone, you can mute them. Even yeah. on um, Instagram, you can mute, you can choose to block someone or just mute their posts and their stories altogether. Yeah. 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 So true. Okay. So I have, when I was doing my research on you, I watched some interviews as far back as like 2013. Oh and <laughs> let me tell you, sis, I watched one particular one and I just, you look tired. <laughs> like, you just look tired. And then from the time that I've met you, right? I know you're like this. Yeah. The only way that I can oh, explain yeah. like your pictures and everything, you're like, right now, you're glowing. So I yes. would love to know yes. what was happening then yes. and what's happening now. Because yeah. clearly, that's two different people. That what was the, which, which interview was that? Do you remember the station? It was an, I think it was a Nigerian something, and it there wasn't really somebody else talking to you. They were giving you flash questions, and you yeah. were just like answering them. But like, since you're like, chances, 
Uh, however yeah so if it was 2013 so yeah 2013 was hectic for me because 2012 I just lost my mom so I lost my mom at the beginning of 2012 and she was um like my best friend my everything um to the extent like when I was in my first relationship I think I was what, 15, 16, I was sharing a cell phone with my mom. Like, so she knew when we had our first kiss, like the guy at times thought he was like chatting me, but <laughs> my mom was intercepting. <laughs> but that's just how close we were. And so when she died, I was in my first job at 1FM. And then after she died, I think I worked there for the end of that year and then early 2013 February I then moved to Kiss FM now when I moved to Kiss FM on a personal note obviously like my I I, in hindsight definitely I was going through an identity crisis because a huge chunk of who I was had just disappeared and I I didn't know how to navigate I didn't know um you know it was now just my sisters and I right and as much as we were like, I'm the youngest, so I was like 23 and my mom passed on, but it's still so destabilizing. It's, it's just wild. And so now I had to move to this huge show working with all of these people who I'd grown up listening to. Right. And I had to negotiate my own contract for the first time because my first radio job, my mom was the one who was like, no, tell them this doesn't, this doesn't make sense. I didn't know those things. I was just like, I'm getting paid. To play music and so now moving to kids I had to do that by myself and so tw- 2013 was hectic even personally I think I was I got into a relationship that I really had no business being in but I I was looking for that to fill that gap that like my mom's death had lo- had, had brought and I didn't want to face it I didn't want to face the grief and like decode what that meant for me or whatever I just wanted to like escape and then unfortunately escaped into the wrong hands but um so that was like 2013 2014 were very difficult years were and going through all of this while still having to be on a show every day was just very hectic it was it was very I think the media industry well at least traditional media doesn't have space for you to be a human being you could be having the worst day but nobody cares like you have to turn on that mic and you have to be chirpy and smile and laugh and whatever when you just really just want to cry so those um, I don't even remember that interview and I probably don't because a lot from those years I really don't remember (laughs) I think my mind was just like, well, that didn't happen. Erase, erase. Um, But now, and I have to say, um, as much as my skin is not doing well, so this is not a glow associated to like um, products. (laughs) It's, it's an internal glow rather. And I've, I've, there are quite a few people who've said how much happier I look and, um, that they can see, I think somebody on my board said they can see me for me now. Um, and and this is after me leaving my radio job. Uh, because as much as 2013, 2014 was hard, 
2015-2016 picked up and then 2017 I was moved to the breakfast show at my station and that just like sucked me dry that was 2013 to 2019 probably like worst years for me in media like definitely worst years and the outside looking in everybody would be like you are the peak of your career you're doing a breakfast show on the top station. I'm just like, man, if that's peak, I do not want any of it. It was really terrible. But after I left, and you could see, even before I got after I left, you could see it on my skin. You could see I'm a happy, chirpy person, but I was not that person. I was sad, tired, angry. Any free time I had, I just wanted to sleep because that's an easy escape. Um... I'd have my anxiety was on the highest it's ever probably been. I also wasn't taking care of myself because when your mind is not right, you're not thinking, hey, I need to eat right or I need to exercise or have a routine. You're just thinking, I just want to sleep, you know. So once I left that job, first I started sleeping really well. That's the one thing I'm just like, oh my God, is this sleep? <laughs> I was on sleep light. This is like sleep premium. And, and, and now doing what I love and finding my voice and, and being able to say no even to some interviews and just feeling good about it. Probably then I was just like, I have to do it. I have to get my brand out there. I was told, you know, <laughs> but now I'm just like, actually, I don't have to do anything that I don't feel like doing. Um, I'm running things on my own terms and I'm doing things that are making me happy. Maybe there are times I'm not like right now, if I feel like I'm not mentally there to be able to do an interview or do a meeting, or whatever, I've gone to the point where I can say, hey, we need to change this to this day or I'm sorry, I, I'm not available for that. Um, perhaps I can refer you to somebody else to do that. I've gotten to that point, but man, back then, Chulu, <laughs> I was I was at my lowest career-wise. Definitely my lowest career-wise, yeah. Although on the outside, it was like the best. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when again, when you talk about traditional radio, traditional media, there's, you know, like this stereotypical... Um, I think an image of um, women, it's like pretty dolls don't really have much of an, an opinion or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but, you know, with you doing, um, going solo and going, um, you know, in this alternative route, this new media that we're calling podcasting, just yes. tell us about what is your your definition and of or what has it been like discovering your identity? Because, you know, you said that you felt like you had lost your identity a little, um, especially when your mom had passed on. And But, you know, what has that been like in terms of finding your identity? Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you. With traditional media, there's like a stereotype. A woman has to look a certain way if it's... Um, I remember my first photo shoot for the first radio station that I worked at and um they had like these super dope hoodies and I was like oh am I gonna wear that because they were by a uh, top Kenyan designer at the time and they were very like K 
Kenyan flag and funky and whatever. And I was so excited. I thought I was going to wear those. And they were like, no, those are for the men. And then the women were like in this ripped things <laughs> that showed more skin than, than fabric. And they were going to be on billboards. And at that time I was living in my mother's house. I was just like, yeah, this is not happening, guys. So... There was already those stereotypes that I didn't I didn't fit into, um, and and for me, what was very strange is that I'd never had um, the way I was brought up. We defined those things for ourselves, things like success, things like beauty, and so in my world, I was like, I'm so beautiful, and then you get into media, and it's like. Says you're really not, you know, that these these encounters you have that try and say you're not fitting into this definition of beauty, therefore you are not, you know. And um that coupled with then losing this major voice in in my life that was my mom, and and also recovering from rape, there was a lot to kind of reconstruct. There was so much to reconstruct, but I'm very thankful that I've been in therapy for the longest time. And so I think that helped me reconstruct a lot and still be in the traditional media scene, but not feel less than because I don't look a certain way or I don't dress a certain way. And I've always been quirky. I mean, when I first started, I had like a mohawk first I had dreads then I had like a mohawk of dreads then I cut them off and like I'll just do whatever with my hair um so I wanted to still be that person but there would be people saying well why is she dressed like this why is she dressed like that but therapy really did help me because by the time I was leaving my job I still had to do a lot of work on identity not on a physical um not in a physical space and like how I look like and beauty, but more on what do I define success as? Because I think we are conditioned to go to school, go to high school, go to uni, get a job, then you work at this job and you save, and then you 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 are retrenched or you resign, and then you go into farming, <laughs> right? And somewhere along there, you're meant to get married and have a couple of kids. That's like the trajectory of what success looks like for an African woman. And I've never fitted into to that. So I really needed to understand, okay, who am I without this job? Like, who's that chick even? And how will I interact with people who only saw me as a radio presenter on Kiss FM? Like, how will I... Will it get me down when somebody says, and I mean, I have met somebody who introduced me as, oh, this is Adele. She used to be one of the top radio presenters in Kenya. And I was just like, wow. <laughs> there is a lot more to me, sir, <laughs> than that minor stint in my life. But there are people who their definition of success is, you know, the title you have and the job that you have. So I had to, really be like okay who am I 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 what is a job even with the podcast what is it like it's that thing and Adele is this thing and they just happen to work together right um that I had to do and I encourage anybody who's thinking of leaving their job especially if you come from like a culture that puts so much 
pressure around getting a job. Everything is surrounding. If you're unemployed or if you've lost your job at family gatherings, you can feel how people treat you, you know? So if you come from that type of culture, you have to kind of do so much work because once you leave the job and you're happy, that's not to say everybody else around you will know how to interact with you, you know, and they could trigger you back into like, so in terms of identity, I had to do that work on my own. Therapy helped me, especially with my, my body. I'm glad that by the time I was leaving um, KISS, you know, my radio presenter job, I had that, I'd done, I felt like I'd graduated <laughs> from therapy. I was in like now level two. So in terms of my, my interactions with my body, I was just like, you're so beautiful. Like you're so bomb. Do you understand how amazing you are? Do you understand how this body has carried you through so many things? And why would you want to look the same anyway, sis? Like, <laughs> You look like you, they look like them. It's good. It's diversity. So I've done all of that work. So that really helps me and, and, and therapy as well. Yeah. Awesome. Sis, are you like me? I literally live by my calendar. If it's not on there, it does not exist, nor does it happen. But quick question, are you on your calendar? I don't mean all the activities that you do for and with others. I mean, do you have a day that is all about you? Not babies, not bay, not work, or anything else that keeps you busy. I'm asking you to be your own bay. So one day a month, Africana Woman will host in-person events in Lusaka that give you permission to practice self-love. This is not just another networking event. You know, restaurants and cocktails. No, darling. Instead, we're partnering with local businesses to give you unique experiences like paint and sip, a ladies hike, or a body positive dance class. Like, you do not want to miss this. So come on then, join us, sign up today, be your own bay. Find the link in the show notes or go to africanawoman.com. Now back to the conversation. So I, uh, you know what, adult, I, I have like a hundred questions for you, but I just don't have the time, unfortunately. <laughs> I'm enjoying this, man. <laughs> So, okay, I'm going to just, I'm going to try and stick to two more before we get to our quick fire questions. Um, The first one is, uh, I think we're going to take it up on a a bit of a a lighter note again. I just love that you have the audacity to dream big dreams (laughs) and dream of things that people haven't seen before. And I don't think people know how to do that or even think they they deserve or you know they can have whatever it is that they dream for but I just I just wanted to hear from you like where do you get that audacity to be like I am going to be part of this new media on the forefront like tell us um I think maybe that would have to be my creative side because you know like um so I'm a poet and that's where everything began for me and and I enjoy writing poetry and I love the process of of writing a poem because anything goes like literally it could be personification I could make a cloud talk you know what I mean (laughs) and why not As in, why not? If it was a cloud, it would say this and that. And so the creative space and that muscle 
the more I exercise it, the more it becomes so real to me that anything is possible. And I've always kind of like had my head in the clouds um, from when I was younger, where even if reality looks so grim, I'm just like, but we can do this, you know? And so I think part of it definitely does come from there. But part of it also comes from knowing uh, the validation that comes from achieving each goal, right? So I got into radio, but my journalism degree was um, the concentration was public relations. That was the plan and got into radio by chance out of hosting a poetry gig. And I was thrown onto the drive show, which is a peak time show. And then doing this peak time show, getting in and wondering, can I really do this? I don't even know how to cut audio during group work. That was assigned to someone else. Me, I was the person who does the presentation in class. So going in thinking, am I the right person for this? And then doing it. So that affirms, I'm like, wow, I can even do this. Why not? Those things validated me. Those things, um, you achieve this drive show and then you get poached to a huge station, not because I knew when I was not in the media industry before, um, it was just based on my work and the things that I did. So all of those steps like validate me. I'm like, oh, okay. So when I just do this thing, it happens. When I do this, it happens. So that then makes it very clear to me that I can achieve absolutely anything. Like, why shouldn't I be able to, right? I just need to kind of like sit down and say, okay, fine. How are we going to get there? All right. I have a plan. Great. Okay. It's going to take me longer. I don't have Beyonce budgets, but, <laughs> but we're going to get there. You know what I mean? So, so for me, it's just the audacity comes from tried and tested and it works and I can actually achieve it. Yeah. And I think you're also, um, also, let's say, I don't know if it's patient or I don't know if it's resilience, mm. because I mean, you, for example, wanting a syndication, um, a show which is syndicated, that dream started in 2014 mm. and then became a reality, you know, five, six years later. But yeah. some people will just be like, eh, it hasn't worked before. <laughs> I tried this one month. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> So true. Sticking with it, I think, is so um, so important as well. It, it is. It's very important, and just knowing that, even when I write down those, um, what are they called? Like my goals and whatever, I write them down, and I'm like, in one year, I'll have gotten here. And then it takes two years, and I almost have to keep reminding myself, like, stop setting yourself up <laughs> by telling yourself one year, just. You know, give it time, give it time. It'll come, it'll come. So it's true. You kind of have to be patient and just knowing that I think also the thing that I've learned is when you work hard, you kind of have entitlement where it's my friend who called me out on it. Actually, I was sending a proposal and that's a huge part of like small businesses. Like you send out proposals and out of 10, maybe two or one will be successful. And I was sending out one and going through like my concept with a friend on the phone. And I was telling him like, yeah, I, I've really given my all to this thing. I've worked so hard. They have to give me this business. And he was like, huh? 
They don't have to do shit, sis. Because even if you, if of course you're meant to work hard on it. What do you mean you've worked hard and they must, were you not going to work hard? Like, <laughs> what are you saying? And so I had to check myself on my entitlement when I work hard and know that you can still get a no. <laughs> and maybe something will not be achieved, not because you've not worked hard, but just because, especially in the business world, it's, it's, it's something you kind of have to try and figure out and not take too personally. Like when the rejection comes, it shouldn't be like, oh, I'm such a failure. It's just trying to learn what could I have done better? Maybe this was not a fit. Maybe this is not what they were looking for. And that's absolutely okay. So yeah, giving yourself time and just like that entitlement that comes with us when we work hard can be a bit, (laughs) can shock you. (laughs) Okay, so you once said, understand that in trying to be like the world, we cannot be African. But in being African, we can change the world. Please expand that for us. I think for me, it's like always being feeling like they being traditional First, that being traditional is synonymous with being African, which it's not. And that being traditional is less than, which it's not. You know, it's like, um, I remember the first time I went to the States was in 2018. That was my first time ever. And I was going for a conference. And I, like very many Africans, had a particular view of America based on media, movies, whatever, right? And then I got there and I my hotel room wasn't ready. So I was looking for an ATM to go get like a SIM card, do all of those things. And I obviously got lost. And then I saw very many homeless people, like more than I've ever seen like in Nairobi where I am and it was so confusing like you you don't want to stare because it's 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 impolite but you're actually going through culture shock in that moment and still on that trip my cousin who lives there took me on like the subway and there were very many older people I remember we were on the subway once coming from a party we hours of the night and there was a, a very elderly uh, man who looked like he was probably the age of my grandmother and he was in a security guard uniform and clearly coming back from a shift and I asked my cousin I was like why is he working you know and she was like hey here if you don't work you don't eat I was like yeah but but then when does it stop? Because I couldn't imagine my grandmother now having to report to work, having to do, because we have a cultural system where we have our, our home home. I know this might be the same for you in Zambia. We, so we're in the, the capital city, but our home home, which is our ancestral home, is where my grandma is. There's cows, chicken, whatever. There's like she grows rice, grows coffee, whatever, right? And it's it's been there for years. And there's people to to work. And she just, as much as she's a busybody, 
but she she doesn't have to report to work. And that home for us is where we go to when things just get a bit hectic. It's where we go to pause. And we know that there's no rent we're paying because it's our home. There's no, the food is growing right here, you know, and it's a system. And I remember coming back from that trip and wondering, when I was younger, I was so stupid. I used to not like going to the village. I would be like, oh, there's no TV. There's no, you know, the stupid things, right? When it's actually a strength, right? It's, it's a system that makes sense. It's your refuge, right? Your family has this refuge. Your elderly family members have this place where we call home. And it really is a home. And we are looking up to another type of society that doesn't necessarily have that. Why do we think ours is lesser? <laughs> like, who told us ours is lesser? When, when I was on that subway, I'm like, why... What is happening with this old man? He should not be... Guys, when will it end for him? How long has he been working? Like, when is enough enough for him, you know? Um, and it's just one of those things where a lot of... Uh, through colonization and things like that, we've been taught to look down on certain things that the way we've been doing things because we're told it's too traditional. There is no space for it in this world. It's too cultural. It's backwards. No, it's not. And it can exist alongside modern very easily, right? Why should we have to pick one or the other when it's, it, it was working for us, right? In our countries, we know who our neighbors are. We know when they have issues. We know that we can give them sugar. We know that we can help them through certain things. Why would we want to change our culture of community, when that makes sense to us. And and so for me, that's where that's from, where it's like, oh my God, Africa, like we are so dope. <laughs> our systems were so well thought of by our ancestors. They served a purpose. Not to say there's certain things in our culture that we need to address. Those are there for sure. Especially when we're talking gender issues, there's an audit that needs to be done for sure. But there are things that are working that we've been told are less than that really are not. And, and we need to be frank with ourselves and just ask why are we thinking that we, we have to only be modern? Like, why have we decided that it's either or? And that how we were doing things, ah, it doesn't make, it make sense. Now we've taken this other one that was brought to us by oppressors. Right. So for me, that's where that's coming, where it's like really to just evaluate what works, what doesn't, and why are you choosing this route over the other? Thank you. Thank you for validating us. Africa, we are dope. I hope you heard that. <laughs> we are dope, guys. Okay. <clears throat> so unfortunately, all good things must come to an end on podcasts. <laughs> yes, I know. We can keep going like 1 a.m. the next day. And then Julu. <laughs> so on the Africana Woman podcast, we have this little saying that says, know your roots, grow your purpose. And we've got four, I've got four questions for you. 
Okay. Um, just say whatever comes to your mind. If you want to expand, please. We love the expansion. Okay. <laughs> so the first question is, what are you rooted to? Ooh, ah, that is so cool. Freedom. Freedom. I am rooted to freedom. Um, I was thinking about it the other day. So I have like random words tattooed on my body. So like evolving and stuff like that. But freedom is the next word I'm getting after we make it through this pandemic. And um, it's just because I think me seeking healing is me wanting to be free of various things that have happened to me in my life. Me you know, starting my own thing is me wanting to be free, me choosing unconventional ways to run my life, to run um, my relationship to everything around me is just me seeking freedom and, and wanting others to be as free as possible to be their true and genuine selves. So I was actually thinking about it the other day. I was just like, oh my God, yes. Cause a friend is one who mentioned it to me and he was like, I think you're just seeking freedom. And I was just like, what do you mean? So I was thinking about it for a month. And just last week is when I was like, actually, that is so true. Everything I'm doing is like, I just want to be free. So I'm rooted in freedom for sure. Love it. Okay. Second question. What is your favorite way to nourish your mind, body, and soul? Oh my God. All right. Um, okay. So that. I want to say, I'm going to pick two. I'm going to pick two. So the first one is the one that's like easy to do at any point in time, which is go to my balcony and read. So I have very many anthologies, so like collections of poetry, of poems. So I read a lot of poetry on my balcony while burning um, frankincense. And it's, become one of my favorite things to do when I'm just like, whew, there's a lot happening in life. I leave the office and I go to the balcony. And then the other thing that I've recently just found, and I was just like, oh my God, all women need to do solo trips. Obviously we're in a pandemic, so you kind of have to be responsible about your travel. But I just went on my first ever solo trip in January this year. I did not come back the same. I did not. It's it's just life changing. So I'm planning my next one in two weeks. Um, and and you can just find an Airbnb. The costs are a, a bit more affordable. And obviously your interactions with other human beings are limited, which is great for this pandemic. And for you to be actually solo and for you to cook for yourself and show yourself love. And uh, so for me... Um, I've just discovered the second one, which is solo trips. It, it works miracles for my mind. Listen, that trip looked awesome. You guys need to go check it out on her socials. It was like, whew, I was like, I want to go too. <laughs> no, it's every woman. And even on that trip, I chatted myself. I was like, I will take care of anybody's children. If you need to go on a solo trip, let me know. Drop them here but go and yeah. find work through whatever it is that you're going through. Okay. So now the third one is, do you have a weakness that has now become your superpower? <laughs> um, 
I don't know because people say it's a weakness, but I'm not really sure because I'm comfortable with it. And, <laughs> and I think it's linked to the whole intentionality thing where I'm not, you know, like how people on CVs write, I'm a good team player. I'm really not. <laughs> I'm really not. And I'm not trying to. Like, <laughs> I'm not trying to. I like things in a certain way. And it's in such a specific way that it's easier for me to just do it myself because trying to tell somebody else to do it will just result in failure. So <laughs> I'm like, I'll do it myself. I'll find an efficient way to do this thing by myself and it'll come out exactly how I want to, which has good in it. Yes, I will be tired, which is a negative side of it. But I, I, I really think it's important like whenever people say like, oh, no, that's not a good thing. I the Why I think it's good is because it's important to know exactly what you want to achieve, exactly how you want your brand, your business, whatever it is you're working, you know, ex down to the caption of that first product you're going to post, you know exactly how that caption you want it to be. And the reason you want it that way is not because you're just uptight. You know why you want it that way. You want it to communicate a certain thing, right? So for me, I'm like, it's important to do that because I've been in spaces like when I had management or when I was employed, where there's so many voices that are telling you how you're thinking doesn't make sense. Don't do it like this, do it like that. So to finally have my voice being the dominant voice, I'm like, I want to soak this up, you know? So I think, yeah, there are moments where the guys are just like, mm, you may want to be more of a team player, but there, and I'm also particular about even that team. Who, who? <laughs> so it's people who I've worked with for probably over 10 years who are like friends who understand me. Then I trust you to do certain things. So it was seen as a weakness, but to be quite frank, Chulu, I'm quite okay with it. <laughs> I will never lie that I'm a team player. No, no, I'm not. <laughs> okay. The last question. What do you know for sure? What do I know for sure? That is truly, you're so deep. <laughs> what do I know for sure? Ooh. That I only have now that I only have now. Um, I think my mom dying really just, it communicated how fleeting life is. People say life is short. I don't think short is the word. I think it's fleeting where one minute it's here, the next minute it's gone. And so I'm so aware that all I have is the now is to the point where, and I said this the other day, nobody I love doesn't know I love them. Like, I, I I don't want, because I'm aware I might not be here in the next moment. I not, might not be here tomorrow. I might not be here next week. And so for me, it, it really boils down to love and like my support system and the people who I care about deeply. That's important to me, right? That's the core. That's super important. And I go out of my way to ensure that there's no doubt, like there's no, you have no doubt that even if we disagree, which 
seldom ever happens with my support system because like we're so different it's just like oh well she's doing her thing I'm doing mine or whatever but because I know how fleeting life is and because I know how it sounds like an oxymoron how good it felt to know that my mom loved me and to know not have doubts about what she wanted for me or what she thought about that brings another level of healing that's so necessary when you're grieving I don't want anybody around me not to have that so the one thing I know for sure is that all I have is now and so I'm not being reckless with it I'm not saying like don't save go splurge and spend all your money and whatever um, it's more about the connections and the people that matter and just ensuring that there's never a doubt there. Never, ever, ever doubt. Yeah. So beautiful. So beautiful. What a lovely place for us to conclude on. Yeah. Please, Adele, can you tell the audience how can they connect with you? What are you yeah. working on right now? How can they engage with you? Let yeah. them know. Okay, so um, I'm just, okay, so where they can connect first. Obviously, there's my website, which is adelonyango.com. And then on Instagram, I'm at adelonyango, Twitter, adelo, Facebook, adelonyango. And um, they're the verified pages because I realized that they were actually some other strange pages <laughs> selling strange businesses but hey um people are hustling um so so you, on social media you can find me on those platforms and then my podcast which is legally clueless on those platforms there's links to legally clueless and it has new audio episodes out every monday and so what I am working on right now, like stressing about actually before I jumped on this interview is our video series for the podcast launches on Friday, which is the 9th of April. So I'm so excited about that. Very nervous. Um, so, so we launched that on the 9th and I'll share with Chulu the link to the YouTube page for the podcast I had postponed opening it because I was just like if I open it it means it's happening <laughs> but then I did so yesterday and um, yeah so that's one thing that I'm working on that's really exciting for me because it means like the podcast is growing it's adding this new new arc that um, now I have to ensure that I'm consistent weekly audio episodes and weekly video episodes so that's the new challenge that I'm excited and nervous about. Um, and then I'm hopefully with how COVID is moving wildly, going to be launching a book that I, I co-authored with my very good friend. Uh, her name is Lanjio Uko. She is a fantastic Kenyan woman in the legal space, very passionate about ending sexual violence. She has been able to connect so many survivors to like, pro bono legal services. She's always there to just like lend a hand, call out nonsense online, um, show where the loopholes in the legal system are when it comes to serving survivors. So we have been working on this book. It's done. We're meant to launch in June and it's basically diary entries of survivors, people working in the healthcare system, justice system, support systems of survivors from 1902 to present day in the East African region. So it's diary entries from all of these people. And it just, I mean, 
it's there's never been such an extensive deep dive into the issue and for me it was so much of a learning curve to understand like before colonialism rape and different forms of sexual violence were something women battled colonization happened women were still suffering during this time and not just in our region say the Kenyan Ugandan Tanzanian Rwandan women but also um Indian women who came to this region were also going through them as they were selling spices this was also happening and it's just part of our history that has been erased <laughs> um and so people seem like oh this is such a big problem that we're dealing with now and it's no bro <laughs> like we've been dealing with this for a minute so the book actually has diary entries and we're going to be launching it in june so i'm really super excited about that those are the two major things that i want to share um that i'm working on for this year uh thank you thank you so much this has been so um filling like you've poured so much into us and shared so much knowledge and wisdom i have thoroughly enjoyed it and i the only thing i mean i don't know what else to do but just say thank you thanks for having me truly this is so beautiful and i just have to say the work that you're doing is so necessary i read your blog um earlier today so so powerful most recent blog well as per this recording and i just don't i feel like you're not cognizant which is a good thing of the powerful things that you're doing it's just oozing out of you and how you're connecting african women in the podcasting space how you're connecting and creating a community for women who are in entrepreneurship who are trying to find themselves and it's it, these spaces are so necessary and it takes a lot to create those spaces it's not easy to run them or create them so it might come so easily and seamlessly for you like you're just doing it <laughs> <laughs> it's just like naturally oozing out of you Trilu but it's it's such a powerful thing that you're doing um and I'm going to keep saying that every time we talk so that you understand <laughs> how powerful what you're doing is so I'm very thankful for this platform not not only for being on it but like that you've created this platform yeah ah oh, thank you <sighs> Isn't Adele a breath of fresh air? My biggest takeaway is intentionality. If you want to live a life that you actually like on your terms, then you have to take intentional steps to making goals and achieving those goals. If you want to have peace of mind, you have to be intentional about your healing. If we want an Africa we are proud of, we have to be intentional about celebrating it, recognizing what does work, and then auditing the things that don't. Can I tell you a secret? That was not the full interview. I know. <laughs> we have additional scenes available on the Africana Woman YouTube channel. Head on over to check out Adele talking about navigating trauma as a couple and intentional healing. I know many women who have been through trauma don't know how to navigate their healing process with their partners. 
And Adele shares some wonderful tips. Again, this is exclusively on the Africana Woman YouTube channel. Please find Adele on social media at Adele Onyango and tell her you heard her on the Africana Woman podcast. Thank you, my darling, for making us part of your day and listening in. I truly appreciate you. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. Don't keep it to yourself. Share it with somebody. You can also find me on Instagram at Chulu by Design. Say hello. I always respond. Until next week, I want you to remember, know your roots, grow your purpose. This has been a production of Ulendo Creative Media. You can find out more about their services on www.ulendocreative.com.